The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? Cancelled Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I'm a critic. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I, too, am a film critic. I don't have a nickname, but I'm here for you anyway. Thank you, Whitney. Um, yeah. Space Force. So Space Force <laughs> is not a Netflix show. Well, it is a Netflix show. Uh, not today, it isn't. <laughs> We're going to be talking about the 1978 Space Force uh, with Fred Willard as opposed to the 2020 Space Force with Fred Willard. Uh, the the most recent Netflix series, Space Force, which uh, for all we know will get a second season and we can't cover it, but maybe mm. it won't and we will, uh, is based off of the rather bafflingly created... A government organization called Space Force, uh, which seemed to just sort of plop into existence because someone said its name, mm. put out a flag, and it was clearly just ripped off from the Star Trek logo. Yeah. It's 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 the the Starfleet logo. It's the Starfleet logo. It pretty much is. They didn't mm. even change it much. Like it's ridiculous. And um, they, uh, I haven't seen the Netflix show yet, but the Netflix show stars Steve Carell, and it is about the people who are responsible for putting together this thing in the midst of a pretty incompetent government. Um, it's a good idea for a show. Very topical. Mm-hmm. But the weird thing is that the new Space Force starred the recently departed and absolutely wonderful comedian Fred Willard. And so did the 1978 Space Force. Because <laughs> there was a failed pilot that aired on NBC on April 28th, 1978. It was also called Space Force. That was uh, basically a, uh, a satirical, Star Trek-y kind of sitcom, but crossed with the Phil Silvers show or Hogan's Heroes or McHale's Navy. Any one of those shows where theoretically there's supposed to be people in charge and people who are supposed to be, you know, subservient, but actually they're cunning tricksters who are constantly putting one over on their bosses or their uh, no, or their no, warden or whoever it is. It's this Sergeant Bilko. It's Sergeant yeah. Bilko in space. Sergeant Bilko in space. Uh, Fred, Fred Willard plays the Sergeant Bilko character. I, I put it to you, apart from animated programs, can you think of successful science fiction comedy shows? The Orville. The Orville is like the one. Okay. Uh, I'm because I'm, tr- I'm I'm racking my brain, and I've Science seen a lot of like, com- live action, live action sci-fi, sci-fi com- comedy like, shows. Like Futurama was kind of a big deal; like it lasted for a while. Yeah. It, was, it was canceled several times, but then they brought it back several times. Uh, you know, stuff like Invader Zim, or you know, it's, there's a lot of Saturday morning cartoons that are like science fiction spoofs. Yeah, I think science fiction is so expensive to do in live action, especially in the 70s. Mm-hmm. We have to build all the sets and come up with all the makeup effects and you know, think of what aliens look like, etc., etc. Oh, does Alf count? <clears throat> I'll, I'll, get, I'll let you have Alf. Okay. Alf, Alf was successful. All right. It, it is about a space alien living in a suburban home. And that is definitely an exception. Okay. Yeah. Alf, but yeah, Alf is well, not... Okay, then, but then we get into Mork and Mindy and My Favorite Martian. All right, I take back what I said. Well, but those are very different shows because those, those are those shows are, those are about aliens in, living yeah, in suburbia. In contemporary and, places and they look like humans, except that, for Alf. The idea yeah. of the fantastical suburban sitcom mm. doesn't necessarily need to have anything to do with science fiction. The idea is that 
in the suburbs where the expectation of the audience is that everyone's living a pretty similar life. Someone has a secret in their household, something magical. Their horse talks, their, their mother car is talks, a car, their mother yeah. is a car. They have a genie. They have a Martian who's a roommate. Mm-hmm. They have a Mork who's a roommate. They, Orkian. they have an Orkian or, who is or, a roommate. Or Orkin. I forgot the actual... But basically the whole fantastical sick, suburban sitcom mold mm-hmm. technically is an exception to Whitney's rule. But in point of fact, functionally, it's just any other sitcom. Functionally, it could be a fantasy. Yeah. It could be anything. Very rarely was science fiction actually genuinely meaningful other than whimsical mm-hmm. plot devices. Oh, Third yeah. Rock from the Sun is another example of that. Oh, yeah. Where they're secretly aliens. Secretly aliens. You know, yeah. So, so those, uh, or those, yeah, same with like out of this world. Yeah. So I, I guess there are uh, uh, sitcoms with aliens in them. Hang on. But what's set in space that's like a successful sci-fi comedy? Red Dwarf. British, but. Mm. It is British, but it is true. <sighs> All right. Uh, everything I just said is complete BS. <laughs> uh, I, my, my premise has been disproven. <laughs> Space Force could have succeeded, um, but they're not, they're not a lot, though. Can we we can agree on that? Okay. It's a tricky thing to pull there's off. There's not a lot. There's that's, not a lot. And that's a lo- how I'm going to cover my ass. There's now. not a lot, um, and they tend to focus on uh, <clears throat> either they're so generic it doesn't matter that they're sci-fi, mm. a la my favorite Martian, Alf, etc., mm. or something like Red Dwarf, which is more for a niche kind of sci-fi audience. You know, it's more of a, at least over in America, it's considered more of a cult show. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Space Force was entering into an odd market. It is coming out after Star Wars came out. Mm-hmm. Star Wars came out in 1977. They had they there was a rush to make more sci-fi content because oh god, people are into sci-fi again. And we, in a way they never were before really. And because the audience was there, all of a sudden like more money could be put into science yeah. fiction uh, as such, spe- you know, special effects improved. Mm-hmm. There was a renewed uh, interest in old sci-fi properties like mm-hmm. Star Trek, which would get its own movie in a couple of years. Um, so something like Space Force being given the green light, mm-hmm. something which might have considered, uh, because they have a sort of a niche demographic, uh, suddenly getting a proper pilot on a network. Not the weirdest thing ever. Uh, in fact, this came very closely on the heels of a show that we've been wanting to get to mm-hmm. uh, on Council Too Soon for a while called Quark. Yeah, we need um, to get the Quark sooner than later. Which it's is a, a TV series, a 1977 TV series with Richard Benjamin about uh, the adventures of the crew aboard a space uh, space faring garbage scow. And and it was like very mm-hmm. bawdy and raunchy and had like stupid, you know, dick jokes. I just thought of another one. Hmm. Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> Uh, I, you know what? My, I, I'm, I'm gonna go back and pre- pretend I never said any of <laughs> my actual premise. There's actually a lot of successful science fiction comedy out there. There's still not a lot. It's still not a lot. <laughs> I just, I know someone's tweeting us right now, no, like, hey, like, just we, heard, we thought of it. Mm. We thought of it. The important thing is, it's still a relatively small <laughs> subgenre of television, and the examples of it, the, it actually succeeding are fewer than there are ones where it failed. The Space Force is one where it failed. Space Force uh, was written by John Boney and Norman Stiles. Uh, they all wrote a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> They're just... And some of the uh, people who would you they would you know the, uh, uh, John Boney and I think Norman Styles they wrote uh, the satirical uh, fantasy show uh, When Things Were Rotten, which, which was like a medieval sitcom comedy. Uh, which was created by Mel Brooks, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which we'll probably also get to on Cancel to Sit at some mm-hmm. point. And it was directed by a guy named Peter Baldwin, who has one of the longest career, like television directing careers you've ever seen. Think of he a, also think, directed episodes of Alf. Yeah, think, uh, think with, of amongst other like a hundred other titles. Think of an American television show that was on between 1971 and 1999. There is an excellent chance that he directed at least one or two episodes. He directed an episode of The Edge, which we covered on this show. No kidding. Yeah, he picked up on that. So he yeah. he, uh, he he directed a very Brady. Christmas, he directed which is uh, uh, which is a which is a cult favorite <laughs> at least in my circles <laughs> as just a very good slash bad when, t- Christmas TV movie. When you say a cult in my circles, that means Alonso Duralde likes it, right? I actually is don't that... know if Alonso Duralde likes it, okay. but I, I've been to Christmas parties uh, amongst people of my age demographic, and the 
Brady Bunch tape has been put in a VHS player <laughs> as adults on more than one occasion. To so enjoy I know, honestly, yeah. I think because it came out in like the early '90s, and yeah, it, it, it's it's got its charms, but it's just saccharine and bad. And um, yeah, yeah, I have I've, I've some affection for it, even though it's not uh, good. Peter Baldwin directed a TV movie I've been trying to track down called The Hoboken Chicken Emergency, based on a book by Daniel Pinkwater. Yeah, uh, Daniel Pinkwater is one of my favorite children's authors. He does these really quirky books that he's not really talked about a lot. Like people don't there aren't a lot of like Daniel Pinkwater aficionados out in the mainstream. Yeah, uh, um, he yeah, also a TV movie of The Hoboken Chicken Emergency. He also uh, was an actor. Uh, and, uh, he co-starred in Stalag 17. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he was one of the more notable characters in Stalag 17, but, but my God, he was in it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Good for him. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah. So the premise of Space Force, it's the future and we are on what appears to be a space station. Uh, maybe it moves around. We never really got to that. So who the hell knows, but it's a space station. It is run by, uh, an idiot admiral. And his, uh... Strict second command. Yeah, like, isn't his name, like, Boner? Like, Captain Boner? <laughs> it's... Oh, Commander well, it's, Irving Hinckley uh, is the it's, leader. It's He's played well, by William it's, it's Phipps. It's not Boner, it's Stoner. Okay, I can see how I got, how I got <laughs> where I got. Um, but yeah, so mm. the, uh, uh, the captain, or the admiral, person in charge of everything, who is a lovable goofball, not unlike Commandant Lassard in, Buff- in uh, Police Academy... Mm. Uh, is played by William Phipps. William Phipps played Prince Charming in the Disney Cinderella. No kidding. Yeah. Not oh, much of a role, really, yeah. but he still did it. Good for him. Um, he had lines? I'm not entirely <laughs> confident he did. I've seen the movie a couple of times, and I could not tell you. Um, and, uh, yeah, Captain Leon Stoner, who plays the... Um, oh, what's the name of the other guy in Police Academy who's always, like, hitting his writing crop on his hand? And just oh, like, Harris. Gutenberg! Yeah, Captain Harris. Yeah, so the Captain Harris of the group... G.W. Bailey character. Yeah. Uh, ...is played by Jim Boyd. Uh, Jim Boyd was on The Electric Company, um, but um, actually he didn't have a big acting career he was on 780 episodes of the electric company which is in nuts Uh and then he was in space force in 1978 a year after the electric company went off the air and then he didn't act again until one episode of law and order in 1993 you know he's got those those sweet electric company money dollars i sure as hell hope he did um i mean the electric company was such an iconic show it's like You know, he 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 was there for generations of children. So yeah, you know. I, I don't know what else he did with his time. Maybe he moved to the stage. Maybe he found another career. I don't know. But it, it's always interesting when you see like that huge gap in an IMDb page. Yeah, it's just odd. Um. Okay. So uh, yeah, he plays the guy who's constantly trying to get him. Mm. And uh, Fred Willard plays Captain Thomas Woods, who is the. Uh, yeah, he's 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 Sergeant Bilkow. He's Sergeant Bilkow. He's he's the he's a captain. He's supposed to be sort of a debonair Han Solo type, but in actuality, what he's in the process of doing in this episode uh, is an elaborate carnival scam where he's trying to like bilk people out of charity money for a children's hospital. Hmm. Our hero, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Uh, this was the late seventies. There was a lot of cynicism going around. I'm thinking of you know the, the Mel Brooks films that were coming out at the time, stuff like Blazing Saddles, uh, and it was a good time to take the piss. Uh, everything yeah. was like being smashed to the ground. There weren't a lot of sort of warm, friendly, approachable comedy movies. Yeah. Um, I, I apologize for for bringing him up, but uh, you know it was a big influence on something like this. But Woody Allen. Mm. Uh, was kind of tearing down slapstick at the time. Yeah. I feel like uh, a lot of movies, not not just by that filmmaker, but by others, uh, were kind of included slapstick, not just because it was funny, but as a way to sort of laugh at the fact that they were doing something so old-fashioned. Mm. Like, they're kind of laughing at themselves at the same time. It's like, look, he slipped on a there's, banana peel. But there's something really... There's something so cheap about that, that we're laughing at the cheapness. Yeah, it, it's, it's, an, it's, an, it's a sentiment that I think uh, would be perfected in the movie Airplane, mm. where the jokes in Airplane, 
let's just be perfectly blunt here. Mm. A lot of them are not quote unquote good jokes. <laughs> There's a lot of really bad puns. Uh -huh. There's a lot of shout outs to commercials that I don't think even people like today even get that much. Mm. Like, I, there's like a shout out to like, oh, Bob never drinks that much coffee at home. Mm. That's a cultural reference that's just dead now. Nobody and now it just that, now yeah. it just plays as, as random and silly. And mm. it's to the movie's credit that it creates that tone that something completely random could happen and you would still find it funny. Yeah. But it's full of pop culture references that haven't aged well or been completely forgotten and really dumb jokes. Mm. This is the bit where uh, Peter Graves is on the phone with the Mayo Clinic. I have to put you on hold from the Mayo Clinic. All right. Excuse me, I hate to break in on your call for the Mayo Clinic, but you have another call on the line from a Mr. Ham uh, on line five. It says, okay. okay, get me ham on five, hold the mayo. That's that's so bloody stupid. But the fact that they, have, they, have, that they have down that they have, on those jokes. That they have the chutzpah to yeah. tell such a stupid joke in a feature film it's, makes you laugh again. And not just tell one joke. It's the idea that it's going to be a nonstop cavalcade of... Pretty crappy, like, <laughs> like seriously, like, like, uh. like old-fashioned vaudeville-type jokes yeah. a lot of the time. Um, and there's something really wonderful about that. Yeah, and well, it can we, totally work, and it'd be magic. I'm not hmm. saying Airplane isn't a comedy classic. It's one of the best comedies ever made. I'm just explaining that it could have very easily just been crap. Just and, if you, yeah. and if you want to, like, see how that could happen, watch Airplane 2. Oh, they, Which, used, they, they actually repeated the same jokes. A lot of the time. Cases, the, yeah. the, I, I like some of the jokes in Airplane 2. I think mm. everything with Shatner in Airplane 2 mm. is comedy gold. Mm. Comedy gold in Airplane 2. But it's kind of a tired retread. It's kind of funny because people are still committed to it. Mm. But yeah, it's just kind of phoning in a lot of the jokes. It just doesn't zing. Mm. So... Unfortunately, Space Force is one of those ones where it's clear that they wanted to fill it full of jokes, constant like witticisms, mm -hmm. a few references to various sci-fi yeah. things that you're familiar with. No, no, none of the characters seem to be taking anything seriously. No, this is not like real characters who happen to be funny. This mm -hmm. is broad farce. The problem is there's only two funny jokes and they're the first two jokes. <laughs> first off, the opening credits song, which I played a clip of at the mm -hmm. beginning of the podcast. Pretty funny. Yeah. Got a good tone. I got me really excited. I'm like, oh, maybe this is a hidden gem. Maybe this is a really funny, like, uh, a pilot that just didn't get picked up for a variety of bullshit reasons. And I'm going to have a good time. Like, uh, when we reviewed the Elvira show. Which turned out to be one of the funniest shows ever made. Uh, Certainly one of the funniest shows we've one, ever funniest, covered. Funny, funny sitcoms, I'll say that. Yeah, uh, it just, and it's another one. Nonstop dumb jokes, but it delivered perfectly. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And uh, and then the second it, it joke. Just, it happens that uh, it just has a really good theme song. <laughs> it has a good theme song. There's a second joke, and it was like this. Right afterwards, we just we cut to the space station. We see people walking around the space station. And not unlike Airplane Wood a couple of years later, they decide to fill dead air by having jokes over the intercom. Yeah. So, like, when in Airplane, when people are coming in and you'll just come into the airport and you'll hear, like, people arguing about whether the loading zone is... Yeah. Uh, the, the 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 white parking spaces are for loading only. There is no, no parking red. in the green zone or whatever. Mm. That argument, it's there. You can fill it. It's in the it's in the audio track. So there's a there's an announcement at the beginning of Space Force. Um, yes, uh, the temperature on the space station is seventy two degrees, and by popular vote from deck eleven, deck twelve now has a drought. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. deck 11 is a bunch of assholes <laughs> and I was like okay this could be kind of funny and then people started talking well uh, again this is an another thing where we're trying to make humor out of something that is stupid like the, the people who are writing these jokes know they're stupid these oh, are yeah. like broad borscht belt style comedy mm -hmm. and the very, whole, very, very uh, hmm. hee-haw, laughing. Yeah, the, the yeah. joke is, you know, how, how much can we get away with, essentially? There's kind of a naughtiness, or less that's the intent. It's, it tends to feel a little bit naughty. But it doesn't fly, because there's a way to play a broad stereotype and get a laugh, but it's really hard to do. You need to be really smart, mm -hmm. or really good comedian, if you're going to play with a dumb stereotype and actually, like, mine humor from it. Yeah. Otherwise... It's just a dumb stereotype. 
This one doesn't quite... Like, I can see they're almost there, yeah. but they don't quite make it. They've got a structure here, and there's something about... it. Here's the deal. I like the aesthetic of it, mm-hmm. because it looks cheap, but it looks plausible. Like, <laughs> like this is, like, maybe for 1978, a sci-fi show should look a little better. Mm-hmm. And indeed, they did. Battlestar Galactica was on around this time. Uh, sci-fi shows could look better than this. Yeah. But it's like if you were watching TV in 1978 and you caught a rerun of a show from 1970. Mm. Like, okay, all right, I buy this. Everything's very clean. Everyone's wearing little stupid jumpsuits with, like, stripes. And, of course, uh, the, the same uniform is worn by women, but they have a much lower bust line because Gene Roddenberry created it, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. I said it. Gene Roddenberry. Not... Uh, not the most enlightened dude. Not, not when it when comes it came, to not when it came to sex and when women. It, yeah. Same to sexism. Star Trek original series is full of it. Um, but that's at least in keeping with tradition, and hopefully they thought that was funny rather than just prurient. Um, but yeah, the idea the idea of taking the piss out of sci fi shows, which because Star Trek was still the prime example yeah. of sci fi television. It was. Uh, you know, not a huge hit, but its syndication made it enormously popular. People were definitely familiar with it. I'm pretty sure Saturday Night Live had already done some of their iconic Star Trek sketches with John Belushi. Mm. Um, so people were aware of it, and Star Trek took itself pretty seriously. So we're going to take this, like, oh, we're all in space, and we're all in the military, and we're all taking ourselves seriously, and we're going to make the show about a bunch of lazy cads mm. who are con artists. And only care about themselves. And um, it is kind of a riff on Star Trek. It's like oh, it's totally riff on Star Trek. Well, Star Trek and and two thousand one, um, which was you know full decade before, but it was still floating around in the consciousness. Yeah, but it's mostly Star Trek. Basically, imagine if in Star Trek the original series, uh, Chekhov always had some kind of scheme to make money on the side, and we was all about Chekhov. That's mm. not a bad pitch. Yeah, yeah, I'm down with that pitch. Like the idea is fine; it's formulaic. Again, it is the Phil Silver show, but it's not bad. And you work and, with that. And uh, of course, uh, all the crew members we meet are, for the most part, just also equally lazy slugabeds who are on uh, Captain Fred Willard's side. Yeah, and, so and, we've got uh, uh, either they're aiding him or they know what he's doing and they don't care. Uh, most notably, he has uh, two sidekicks. Uh, one is uh, Captain Robert Milford, played by Hilly Hicks, who you may recall from the TV miniseries Roots. He also played Robbie Robertson on the TV uh, uh, movie for The Amazing Spider-Man in oh, the 1970s. Okay. Nice. So, yeah, a little, mm. little fun thing there. Um, and uh, also there's Sergeant Eve Bailey, uh, who is uh, working with him as well. She's played by Maureen Rooney. I'm oh, sorry, Maureen Mooney. Mm. Pronounced that wrong. Um, and... Um, they don't have much of a character. The idea is that uh, uh, Captain Milford is uh, kind of just dragged into these crazy schemes. Uh, and uh, Sergeant Bailey, she's also kind of dragged into it, but she's also kind of dating Fred Willard. But then again, maybe she's not. And she only said that because uh, Captain Stoner, their boss, their it's asshole con- boss. constantly coming on to her. It's and, sexual uh, harassment. It's yeah. just nonstop sexual harassment. And... Yeah, so she makes it... I can't tell if she's making it seem like she's into Fred Willard or if they're actually dating. Like, I don't know. Like, the, the show was not clear. I think it's, it's like, just sort of a super cash sort of thing. Ah. Or dating-ish. It's, it's the 70s. It's going to be the an... The 3070s, uh, but it's the 70s. Yeah, on, and on again, yeah. off again. We're, we're yeah. friends, but occasionally we sleep together sort of thing. Yeah. It's just cool. Yeah, it's together. like one of those lightsaber parties you heard about from the 3070s. <laughs> where you put, everyone puts their lightsaber in a bowl, and then you go home with whoever's lightsaber you pick yeah. up. I went to one of those key parties. I went home with a new Prius. <laughs> that's, that's an old joke. That's a very old joke. Well, I mean, updated with the Prius. But well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So the whole thing is they are running a scam on a nearby planet where they're going to put on this carnival and they're going to supposedly donate all the proceeds to a children's hospital. And I don't think they're actually planning to do that, or at least they're planning to skim off the side. Which I, is I think, not a way to get me on board with them. I I didn't see this as like the long game though. I thought the children's charity thing was like a last minute cover. He was going to keep that money for himself, but when he realized he was going to get busted, he said, "Oh, 
Yeah, I was taking it from this corrupt guy uh, to make it look like I was doing something noble and giving it away to children's charity. When really I was actually going to steal it from him in secret and keep it for myself. See, I thought he was said that he was going to give it to a children's charity, and if he got caught, he'd actually give it to the children's charity. Yeah, that's the either way. He's not a noble guy. No, nobody's noble. That the point is that nobody's noble. Yeah, they're all actually kind of assholes. The only person uh, on the the ship who has anything even remotely resembling like decency and morals is actually the annoying guy on the bridge. Uh, oh, the, the Larry Storch character. Yeah, yeah, I think he's played by Larry Block. I didn't catch the character's name. Uh, um, uh, uh, Private Fleck. Perfect. Yeah, he's played by Larry Block. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, basically, you know, an airplane, when they keep cutting to that guy in the flight tower, who's like... Stephen Stucker. Yeah. Stephen Stucker. And, he got, and Leon's getting larger. <laughs> he's that guy. My mom knew that guy. Oh, that's awesome. He, he was the piano player at like the dance school she went to. One of the funniest roles in movie history. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely great. <laughs> yeah, the character is named Johnny. <laughs> um, but yeah, he uh, 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 Larry Block was also in Slapshot. He was in My Blue Heaven. He was in After Hours. Um, hardworking character actor and mm. he plays a guy who is constantly doing wacky things like oh no I need to get on the emergency station but he's talking to his girlfriend about what they're going to have for dinner tonight and it's do like, they uh, have enough turkey for six <laughs> it's like uh, it's like Buddy Hackett but you don't want to slap him uh, <laughs> I kid Buddy Hackett Buddy, Buddy Hackett's very good in The Music Man uh, he was uh, also very good in Space Rangers he's very good in Space Rangers too yeah don't ever listen to a stand-up. It's like the, no. the most like brazenly offensive thing you could uh, ever listen to. I also liked him in The Love Bug. Yeah, he's fine in The Love Bug. He's good in The Love Bug. Uh, Buddy Hackett's fine. Buddy, <laughs> Buddy Hackett gets a bum rap. Buddy Hackett's fine. Um, but, uh, oh, and the other uh, 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 character who is on the bridge is the ship's computer, which is named Dork. Now, These do, are the jokes. Think, These are the jokes. Did they know... Like, yes. like, I mean, did the censors know or? Well, it's spelled with a C, so it's fine. They, but they don't ever have that like on camera. No, they, they say it, though. He mentions what his yeah. acronym is. It's like Digital Operations Rotisserie Computer. Whatever it was. Well, he does say rotisserie because it turns out that if you open the control panel and their big mm. computer, uh, it is actually cooking some ribs right now, <laughs> which is actually almost mm. funny. Like, that's almost a Spaceballs joke with a mm. Mr. Coffee. And... <laughs> no, sir. We call it Mr. Coffee. Yeah. Um, and Dork has a very strange, very Mel Brooksian German accent. Yeah, and uh, the whole thing. Why do you talk in that German accent? I was made in Germany. What should I sound like? Mm. Which is actually kind of bulletproof logic. I remember mm. when uh, uh, these, you just you saw the movie Theory of Everything, right? Oh yeah. Where, why, why you why do you sound American? Yeah, like because because yeah. Stephen Hawking was an American. But the voice box that he used in order to speak after he had lost his mobility, uh, the only voice that they provided for that voice box was an American voice. So now mm. all of a sudden he talked like an American and it was weird. Mm. It would be weird. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good point, actually. Um, so, yeah. The thing talks in German and it likes being a computer. Um, problems arise on Space Force. There's an alien. Uh, although there is an alien, I forgot there's, there's about the space alien, alien character. Uh, yeah, it's got uh, like a ridge down his head. Uh, Lieutenant K. Bar, mm-hmm. uh, played by Joseph G. Medallis, uh, who was uh, in a lot of small roles in things like Brewster's Millions, Kentucky Fried Movie, Sister Act, another hardworking character mm-hmm. actor who was in a little bit of everything. Um, oh, he was in Dead and Buried. I didn't recognize <laughs> him. That's cool. You ever see the He's horror a... movie Dead and Buried, nineteen eighty one? No. Fucking awesome movie. Like, really, seriously, if you're looking for, like, a great horror movie that nobody ever talks about, see Dead and Buried 1981. It's just one of those, like, wonderful, creepy, kind of funny horror movies that never goes in exactly the direction you expect it to. It's really good. Anyway, um, but yeah, he plays the the ship's resident alien character, the Spock on the ship of the, on the, on the deck of the Enterprise. And his whole character trait is that he tends to sort of segue into long-winded speeches about brotherhood. It's clearly taking the piss from Star Trek, like oh, directly yeah. that yeah. time. Yeah. We are a people who live in the universe and all the species of the universe are cool and we are togetherness mm. having good times mm. um, to now, have. 
there, there's something kind of refreshing about the cynicism of Space Force, where <laughs> we're living in space and everybody's just up, just as petty as they always have been. Yeah. Everybody's a petty dick. It's uh, recognizable. We're, we're constant, if nothing else. Yeah. Something I liked about Futurama. It's like, Futurama, it takes place in the future. A thousand years in the future, we have all these wonderful technologies. Species from all over the universe have come together and are living together on Earth, and they all live in the, like, the same high-rises. And everybody's just just as petty and awful to each other in the future as they are now. Yeah. And there's something kind of comforting about that constancy. I like it when, we, when I see like shows or movies mm. about the past. Uh-huh. Uh, particularly like before the 20th century before we had like records of people's behavior on camera um, and we see that they're basically just like us now except yeah. you know technology and shit was different <laughs> but like yeah we're humans got a human that's that's all we do man we're just petty and dumb a lot of the time yeah it's not not very bright about the human condition but uh, it is constant i'm at a low point right now i'm gonna buck up because space force <laughs> anyway uh uh there's a problem where uh, a, a, an alien uh, species has kidnapped uh, someone named Berkowitz. Nobody knows who Berkowitz is or why we care. They just know that we got to get him back. Mm. Stoner wants to bomb the shit out of these people and start an intergalactic war. Fred Willard is like, hey, what if we don't? And the Admiral is just like, no, I like war. And Fred Willard's like, well, what if we uh, do something where we're less likely to die and maybe you could get a humanitarian award at the end because you're vain and stupid. And he's like, well, I do like being vain and stupid. So you have one hour to try to to solve this diplomatic crisis. Police Academy did not come out of the blue. No! (laughs) Police Academy was a very careful construct. Yeah, it's built on the ashes of... Space Force. Things like Space Force. Yeah. And every sitcom before it where mm. there were dumbasses in charge and the people below them were getting away with murder. And uh, Fred Willard's scheme is to use their transporter to just beam the kidnapped person off the planet, which, yeah, that's actually, let's do that. Smarter than sometimes some of the things they do on Star Trek. It is, actually. It's, it's almost elegant mm. <laughs> its efficiency. Problem is they don't have the coordinates for the guy, so they have to get Dork to call his girlfriend a computer on the planet and have computer phone sex with her. Oh, well, Merivac is the name of the the other computer. And they're just watching these two computers have phone sex. And it's really weird. It's, and it's weird for them, not just for us watching at home. Fred Willard gets uncomfortable and says, maybe some people should leave the room. This is getting odd. Um, and then he gets the coordinates and he beams Berkowitz up. Still don't know who Berkowitz is. And then uh, the, 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 everything turns out okay. And then there are cowboys? Because of the carnival? There was going to be yeah, that there's, carnival? There's, there's a carnival, so there's like yeah. circus performers. And then uh, Stoner is like... <laughs> and then Space yeah. Force. You wait a decade and you call it Spaceballs and it's great. You also uh, have to write a good script. Also, yeah. And also I, get a good cast and get Mel Brooks to direct it. And give it some money. I understand that the whole idea behind Space Force is that it's supposed to be kind of loosey-goosey. That everybody doesn't really care about sort of living among the cosmos. We've mm-hmm. achieved, achieved space travel. We're out in the stars. We live on space stations. And we're just pulling these little petty deals. And we're also we're making a sitcom about it. Uh, taking the piss out of a genre that ordinarily is, takes itself very seriously even with something like Star Wars it's, it takes itself very seriously but here's the thing and a lot of other people didn't take it seriously hmm. so it still feels like punching down you think so? it feels like punching down a little bit I feel like Star Trek wasn't venerated yet not yet well, I feel like Star Trek wasn't popular no, amongst the, the mainstream 70, 78 I think it was already having like a lot of conventions there were conventions it was held but... really in really high esteem by this point it was in syndication uh huh People knew Star Trek in 1970. I'm not saying they didn't know it. I'm mm. saying it wasn't venerated. People knew Spider-Man mm. in the 90s. Spider-Man wasn't venerated by the mainstream. Where just the people, like adults, people who weren't usually into sci-fi, fantasy, superhero shit. They weren't like, ooh, Spider-Man, he's the best. Until around the time Sam Raimi's movies came out. I suppose so. I feel like there's a certain point where... These, that's that's these... when Spider-Man lost me. <laughs> well, fair enough. But like, there's a certain point where... Things with cult, pulp, niche appeal, they're somewhat well-known, but they're not necessarily respected. Mm. 
until something happens that pushes them over. I mean, there are some people I know who still refuse to believe there were any good superhero movies until The Dark Knight came out. All right. So I don't know if Star Trek was really rife for being taken down off of its pedestal because its pedestal is pretty lonely. Hmm. Maybe well, I mean, that's you, you can, you can satirize it. anything. Well, I think true. I think everything's a fair target. If you're I'm not saying it's not right, a fair target, I'm just saying it might not have been. I don't. It might not have been the, what the audience was looking for right now. They might have mm-hmm. actually been like the people who actually like Star Trek might not mm-hmm. have thought this is the great addition, yeah. and the people who didn't like Star Trek probably don't care enough about that kind of show to watch Space Force in the first place. I, no, I don't think so. I think the the people who are into science fiction would be interested. Because uh, they are, they recognize the tropes. They recognize the satire. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I'm very into science fiction, but I also, you know, very much like Futurama, which kind of takes the piss out of science fiction a lot. That's and true, play, but it and comes plays to a place with like love, Star, Star Trek plots and stuff, and points out the inherent silliness of a lot of that stuff. But I feel like Futurama does mm. this; it points out the silliness because they care enough to find the silliness. Mm. Whereas I feel something like Space Force is just like eh, Star Trek. Fuck mm. it! Like it doesn't really. Mm. I, I get no sense of love or respect for the genre. I get a sense of we're sending it up, and that's about oh, no. as far as our interest there, goes. There's absolutely no love or respect exactly. for the genre. They're they're definitely satirizing it in uh, a rather merciless fashion. Yeah, which is fine. That's a yeah. fine way to, to to approach something. I'm um, just saying, I'm not sure what the audience is for mm. it. I just feel like it's just sort of it's either it's got to be really really funny mm. to work because it might only have niche appeal. And the sad fact is. At least as far as I'm concerned, it's not funny. No, I, I agree. It's, it's not it's not super funny. I, no. I understand uh, in a parallel universe where it could be. Oh, sure. The with, idea, uh, the, the framework is sound. And even that same cast, just, yeah, like a, a few more passes at the script, mm-hmm. maybe a slightly slicker look, or a little bit more of a consciousness about the way the show looks. It needed to be, I also think it's an issue of direction as well, because mm-hmm. it feels a little relaxed. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you had... I don't know if it's a matter of rehearsal or editing or um, maybe a sense of um, sort of tone. Mm-hmm. Um, it needed to be faster. It needed to be whip crack, joke after joke, airplane style humor. Yeah. Uh, which airplane didn't invent. You get something like Kentucky Fried Movie, which I think is already out by then. Like, um, same people, but yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of same people. Mm-hmm. Um, but my point is that airplane didn't invent that. There was a there was a tradition of that kind of humor. And I feel like, yeah, this doesn't feel tight. This doesn't feel refined. This doesn't feel like they found the best version it, of this. It feels like a stoner show. But that's, not a good stoner show. That, that's as may be, but it okay. feels like a stoner show. Okay. Uh, yeah, this, this is... I, I think that might be the audience. Because consider, uh, yeah. consider a lot of the audience for 2001 A Space Odyssey. They were high. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not exclusively. Not exclusively, okay. but, you know, the, the, and this is just anecdotally, but I've heard from more than one person my parents' age who went to go see 2001 A Space Odyssey right. high out of their minds. Yeah. Uh, so I think there is this kind of profundity, this stoner's profundity, if you will, that was running through a lot of science fiction because, you know, in the 1960s we had stuff like 2001 A Space Odyssey. We had Arthur C. Clarke. We had, uh, you know... Uh, a, a lot of other science fiction authors at the time who yeah. were uh, working to explore really interesting philosophical ideas using science fiction as their their speculation. Philip K. Right. Dick is another one. Uh, and at the same time, it's okay to you know take a hit off your bong while you're watching <laughs> 2001: A Space Odyssey and go <laughs> singing Daisy. You know, it's. Uh, <laughs> You're, you're, you think, can kind of, you can kind of laugh. Like, yeah, they're going for whoa, but getting <clears throat> instead. And I think uh, there is a, a an element of self-acknowledged ridiculousness to even the most profound science fiction that mm. I think something like Space Force is trying to, trying to tap into. It's not doing it well, no. but that's where it's coming from. I can appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, here's the thing about Space Force. Mm-hmm. We have rules here at Cancel Too Soon, and the rules are very simple. Uh, and even then, there are exceptions that are weird. But a uh, rule is this. They have to have lasted one season or less, and they can't have, like, a second life. Yeah, like you know, They can't, like, be picked up for a movie. They can't, like, have a big, you know... Reunion a, movie yeah. or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Movie if it continued in some way, 
after its initial run wasn't really canceled. It technically had enough of a fan base or enough of an imprint to continue in some way. Mm. There have been a few exceptions to this that we have made over the years. And uh, Space Force is another exception because there actually was a sequel to Space Force. Well, kind of. (laughs) Kind of. Because uh, in the last couple of years, when the government set up Space Force... Like, for realsies... Some I'm curious who it was, but someone on the writing staff at Jimmy Kimmel hmm. either had seen Space Force when it aired for one <laughs> night in 1978 on a like a Friday and nobody gave a shit, hmm. or they did some googling and found out that there was a TV show called Space Force and they went online and tracked down the pilot, which is hmm. pretty easy to find. Well, Jimmy Kimmel's what? Like, it's like, oh, he's around 50, right? Yeah, he's a little older than us, yeah. He, he probably a, saw Space Force. Well, I don't know about probably, but it's possible. Yeah. And certainly someone on his show probably was familiar with it. And if not, they did some Googling and they realized there's a show called Space Force that is about an inept government institution in space that starred Fred Willard before he was particularly famous. Fred Willard, who Jimmy Kimmel happens to have an in with. Oh, yeah. Fred Willard appears on the show, well, appeared on the show regularly. Yeah, Fred Willard was very, right up until he died, he was a very hardworking actor who was constantly mm. uh, appearing in TV shows and movies all the time. So, they got Fred Willard back, and they recreated his costume, and he did an appearance on the show when they announced Space Force. And then a short while later... Uh, Ted Cruz justified the existence of Space Force by saying we need a Space Force to protect us from space pirates. Kind of, kind of, uh, kind of sad. Kind of, kind of stupid. That's that's the real life. That's not something they wrote into Space Force. I'm going to say this right now because there's this weird thing that happened Mm -hmm. that the whole world has been like like dissolving like an Alka-Seltzer tablet in water. But there have been like some news stories, which in any other generation would be the biggest thing ever and be all we could talk about for years. Mm -hmm. And we've moved on. Like when the government said aliens are real. Mm -hmm. That happened not very long ago. They released footage of actual UFOs. And they just said, we don't know what the fuck this is. It's probably a UFO. They just fucking said it. X-Files has been ruined forever. They can never reboot that show. Mm -hmm. It's dead. Because the whole thing was, ah, if the truth got out, people couldn't handle it. Nobody gave a shit. Nobody cared. It was a noteworthy for an afternoon, and then we all moved on with our lives. If they had come out and created Space Force and just said, listen, we have reason to believe aliens are actually real, mm-hmm. and who knows if it'll happen in our lifetimes, but just in case... We're going to create a new branch of the government, yeah, of, just, of the military. Yeah, well, it should be the military, but like a branch of diplomacy, people who were just, just to be ready for that kind of thing. Mm. Still not necessarily the best uh, uh, use of our resources, but there would be a justification for that. Not a great justification, but there'd be a justification for that. Instead, space pirates. Space uh, pirates. So Jimmy Kimmel... Space, like pirates in space. Jimmy Kimmel and the folks on his show, they got Fred Willard back and they created a fake trailer for Space Force 2 Space Pirates. I'm not going to play a clip of that. You can find it online very easily. Just go to YouTube and look it up. Um, It's every dumb fake movie trailer ever. It's just... uh, Which which Jimmy Kimmel trades in. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, it's... They got they they rather accurately recreated the same costumes from the 1978 special. Oh, spot on! They they did the same font. They got a f- I th- probably got a few of the same like backgrounds and just reused them. Uh, the sets look a little better, mm. um, which just shows you how cheap Space Force was in the 1970s. <laughs> that they can do this for like a 90 mm. second joke on a on a talk show and yeah. come up with something that looks a million times better than a show where that's all they had to spend money it's on. Like a, a smartwatch now has like. 100 times the computing power than like my gigantic old like home computer back I, in I, la- the late 90s. I think that's actually a conservative estimate like of th- how much more th- powerful your watch more is. more powerful, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Fred, uh, Fred Willard, apparently his character got promoted. He's now in charge of the Space Force. And uh, when Ted Cruz tells him we have to defend Ad- him from... Admiral Ted Cruz. Admiral Ted Cruz tells him we have to defend the world from space pirates, and they just use a clip. Hmm. Um, they superimpose his head on another actor's body. Yeah. Uh, 
Then they get attacked by, like, a, a old tiny piratey like a, ship, a three-masted sa- yeah. sailing ship in space. I'm not sure what a mizzen mast is, but I'm pretty sure it has three of them. And uh, they just the, start lobbing the, the, the miz- bombs the, at them from space. The, the mizzen is one of the masts. It's the mizzen mast. Okay, but if there's more than one, they'd be the mizzen's mast. The, uh, ships don't have more than one mizzen mast. How, yeah. What if what if you have multiple ships? And they each have a mizzen mast, and okay, you need to fine. refer to I'll all those you, mizzen masts. I'll let you have this one. Okay, thank you. Thank you. You, pr- you proved me wrong about sci-fi comedy, so... <sighs> Having a good night. <laughs> um, but, uh, so yeah, they fight off the space pirates, and they do some dumb yeah. stuff where they... Talk Fred Willard, me. who was, I think, in his 80s at that point, was, like, slowly rolling, like, a piratey barrel at the pirates, and yeah. I was like, no... Yeah, he's he was an old guy. You know, yeah. he's he's not so spry that he can leap about and fire no. guns. So no, no, no. They they they, they seem to do right mm. by Fred Willard, and Fred Willard, bless him, is game. Mm. Um, he was and he was always game. Bless that man. He was really. I, really... I would love to see the one instance where he said no. It's like <laughs> I can't do that joke. It's too stupid. <laughs> I would. I, mm. I shit now. I wish I. I didn't. I, know, once. I wish I'd asked him because I want to know what that joke is. That's like, a great, what's what's a what joke was? Could Fred Willard? Could Fred down. Willard? Like, it's too dumb that he couldn't make it funny. Yeah. Um. But anyway, that that little sequel. It's not official, but kinda. Um. It's cute. It's about it, really. It's amusing for ninety seconds. The ninety seconds has as many chuckles as the whole original pilot. I say. Oh, <laughs> well, that's fair. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so yeah, Space Force. Uh was Space Force I have a theory I know mm. know what you're gonna say. Was Space Force canceled too soon, Whitney? No, 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 no I it agree. Wasn't. Uh there's there's room in the world for a, a fun, laid back, uh irreverent and not even respectful uh sci fi spoof show out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, like this. Like this. Yeah. Uh, Especially mm-hmm. in the time. Because this kind yeah. of like broad, high concept sitcom, we don't get a lot of those anymore. Uh, I, I brought up Quark earlier. Evidently, Quark, fa- the 1977 show, mm-hmm. failed so badly that the, that was sort of the reason why it, this one wasn't picked up. The, yeah. There wasn't enough room in the marketplace for one science fiction comedy, and here comes another one trying to, to like fill in the void. It happens. Turns out there wasn't a void. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> people don't want Quark. They won't want Space Force either. So Space Force was dragged down by the failure of Quark. Mm-hmm. I've uh, actually never seen Quark. Have you seen mm-hmm. any of Quark? I saw uh, some of an episode in a video store once, so okay. no. Uh, okay. Did you like what you saw? It it seemed kind. Of, well, I mean, it's definitely crass. Okay. Uh, I think you have to be in that kind of mood to enjoy it. Okay. I, we will get to Quark at some point on this program. Yeah. Do not get us wrong. I was just curious if Whitney had had like I don't any have exposure. De- I don't to have it. deep okay. Ex- experience. Okay, with I was just kind of wondering, like, because mm. Space Wars isn't very good. Part of but it is like, is Quark. I hope Quark's better. Here's the thing. Because we're going to have, there are more episodes of Quark. I've and we're going to have to watch about them. Quark. I've heard about people who like Quark and refer to Quark as this. The cult. Uh, this, yeah, this kind of lost cult oddity. Uh, I don't hear about Space Force. No. People don't talk about, oh, remember that Fred Willard show? Yeah, let's go back. Let's watch that one again. Yeah, that's not a thing. No. Yeah. People would go, people would go back and like get bootlegs of Quark and rewatch that one. But. And uh, to answer your question, uh, in case you were wondering, um, how is the new Space Force? We didn't see it. We didn't watch it. Uh, the world is in a weird fucking place right now, and I only have so much time to watch TV. Uh, so I didn't get a chance to see the new Space Force. If it gets canceled after one season, we will definitely cover it on this show. Uh, <laughs> so one hundred percent guaranteed. So if you want us to talk show. about it, cross your fingers and hope they fail. <laughs> Jesus, I don't know if anyone fails. It's hard enough to get work in this industry in the first place. Yeah. But if it does fail, that's where we come. We'll in. be there to yeah. to prop it up. And uh, and we're here for you as well. Again, we know times are uh, really, really rough right now. Hectic and, and strange and chaotic and yeah. dangerous. And um, yeah, if you needed a mental health break, I'm ho- I'm hopefully this this show was here for you. Um, uh, we encourage everybody to do everything they can because, you know, damn right, Black Lives Matter. And um, But um, yeah, we know that it's hard to focus all the time and sometimes we need to take a few minutes aside to enjoy whatever our outside interests are so um we hope you enjoyed this episode of canceled too soon we will be back next week and we'll be back with a show we've actually gotten a lot of requests for over the years uh it is a it is a uh extremely violent and ambitious and novel kids show called captain power and the soldiers of the future 
Yeah. And it, it was sold as an interactive TV show. Yeah, it's actually a really interesting project in a lot of ways. It, it married... Um, it was a live-action show for kids with a lot of war and gunplay. You could, There were toys that were created that allowed you to play with the television while it was on, like a light gun, mm-hmm. like a Nintendo light gun. You could wear a visor and point yeah. a gun at the screen and interact with the images on the screen. Uh, there were a lot of people who worked on the show who were uh, famous, at least one who is uh, horrifyingly notorious. And uh, we're going to talk about that next week when we review Captain Power and the soldiers of the future. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Cancel Too Soon. We sure as hell appreciate you. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, maybe you could. <laughs> and uh, you, you may. Yeah, we're, we're not stopping it. Uh, yeah, a lot of our shows are free right here on the Critically Acclaimed Network, including uh, Critically Acclaimed, We've Got Mail, Episode Zero, and we have a ton of other exclusive stuff over at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Critically acclaimed network. We have shows about uh, Star Trek, reviewing every single Star Trek epper, uh, epper, epper, episode f f for do. We're reviewing episode? every single episode of Star Trek ever. Yeah, uh, one podcast per episode. Uh, I think we're nearly halfway through the original series, uh, so that's exciting. Uh, we also have uh, podcasts about where we review every single film ever nominated for Best Picture. We're reviewing every single episode of Firefly. We're doing uh, movies and content that should be on Disney Plus, but is mysteriously not. Uh, and a ton of other stuff. Besides, you can vote for future episodes, including Cancel Too Soon, uh, there as well. We sure appreciate every one of our patrons, and we're very grateful to you for your support. We couldn't be doing this without you, so our deepest heartfelt thank you. Uh, and if you want to email us about this show or anything else that we talked about, or just anything at all, really, you can write us in letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. We might read your show on our weekly podcast, We've Got Mail, which will return next week. You know, we have delays this week. The world. Oh, the world. Oh, the world. Uh, You're so hilarious. You make me want to cry. Yeah, me too. Anyway, listen, thank you everybody for, for listening to the show, for enjoying the show. Uh, we're really, really grateful to you. Please stay safe out there. Please be responsible out there. Uh, and um, that's a wrap. We'll see you next season. Yeah.